Hayden Raymer, welcome to In the Clubhouse with the Nats Report. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm Hayden Raymer, uh, and this is my lovely friend and co-host. Oh, you are muted. Jeremy Lapidus. Oh, there you go. Okay. It was really late there. Can the, you hear me? Yeah, can you I can it? hear you now. Yeah, yeah, it was just the audio was really desynced there for a second. Where I right, saw you I'm say, "I'm Jeremy Lapidus." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, J he's Jeremy. That's uh, me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, welcome, welcome uh, to those of you who are here with us on Twitch, and the, you know those listening later on uh, whatever platform that you are listening on. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is in the clubhouse where we break down series past and preview series in the future. Uh, you know, this week we, you know, we've taken a little break. There was just a lot of real life stuff where we just didn't have time where we could both sit down and talk about our favorite uh team uh but now we have to catch up on a week's worth of games and you know preview another three games so uh let's get right into it jeremy uh i'm ready you're ready uh so yeah uh last week where we left off was the nationals were playing a double header against the Cardinals on uh, June 15th, or July 15th, I'm sorry. Uh, they won game one of that, lost game two, and then on Sunday, they uh, lost game three to lose the series to the Cardinals. Uh, game one, seven to five victory. Game two, they lost nine to six, and then game three, lost eight to four. So they were kind of just outscored, but they, you know they put up a decent amount of runs themselves. So, you know, can't really complain a whole lot. Uh, Cardinals' bats were just better that day. Uh, in the second series, you know, the, the Cubs, uh, the Nats won again. Game one, 7-5, to five, you know. We're seeing a little trend here. Uh, a little bit of a trend here. And then uh, the Cubs, in game two, uh, took it to the Nats, 17-3. to three. And then in game three, oh, lost it here for a second, uh, lost 8-3 to three again. So, you know, just kind of... <clears throat> got, you know, the bats just for the other team were just better that day. Uh, and then, finally, this weekend, the Nats did something incredible. Uh, they beat the Giants 5-3, to 10-1, and 6-1, to uh, which the Giants are, like, the best team that the Nats played this out of these three sets. Uh, so, you know, very impressive. Uh, Nats pitching was really good. Uh in all these games, and I mean, the game two, uh, that was C.J. Abrams' bobblehead night, uh, Abrams hit a home run, of course, on his bobblehead night, and then, uh, Dylan Cruz signed with the Nats that day, too, so, you know, it was just a really exciting day for the Nats, uh, on Saturday, so, you know, fun stuff, uh, I yeah. don't know if there was a particular thing that stuck out to you in that Cardinal series, well, you know, we'll go back, roll, back and go back to the start of those series i don't know if there's anything that really stuck out to you there uh i mean like i said i think the cardinals just played better baseball uh the nats i mean they still hit pretty well i mean they scored seven six and four runs like that's you know you you can win games by scoring that many runs it's not like a bad amount of runs uh so i mean i think the nats just got out hit those games i don't know if you had any particular thoughts it's not. It's not just the Cardinal series. It was just this entire stretch of these nine. These nine games, uh, the Nats have been hitting the ball. Mm -hmm. They 
Uh, I mean, the Cardinals series, like you said, they're just the Cardinals beat them. Mm-hmm. That's just what happened. But on this giant series, they put up nine. Uh, they put up six and ten runs, and their their offense. You know, they put up their offense is hitting, and mm-hmm. it's something we haven't seen a lot this season. Like a consistent stretch of games where the offense is putting up runs. Uh, that was it was my biggest takeaway from this stretch of games. Uh, you know, it was just it's good to see the offense hit in their stride for once. Yeah, I mean, if you want to kind of, we can start to get into the numbers a little bit. Uh, Kyber Ruiz has been otherworldly uh, this second half so far. Uh, Jeremy, do you happen to know what his tri- triple slash is so far? Oh. I do not know what his triple slash is on the uh, second half of the season. Second half of the season, he's hitting 458, 536, 833 slugging uh, for a 1.369 OPS. Uh, that'll play. Uh, he, his strikeouts are <laughs> up a little bit, uh, but, you know, he's walking a lot more so far. Batted ball profile. I mean, it's he's still hitting the ball hard. He, I mean, he was doing everything right the first half. It's just... So far this half, everything's starting to pay dividends uh, where you're already seeing his, like, season slash climb up. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we're talking about a guy who just turned 25. Like, literally just turned 25 four days ago. Uh, I, you know, he he's going to be good. Uh, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he's going to be an absolutely insane player. Uh for the Nats, or not insane, but a really good player for the Nats. That's the word we're probably looking for. Uh, and I'm just I'm happy that he's, you know, crushing the ball again. Yeah. Um, obviously, we gave Ruiz that huge contract to begin the season, that eight-year deal. Um, you know, it's not like he hasn't lived up to that this season. Uh, he's been playing a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the break was very, was really good for him, and we're seeing it in these first two week and a half, first two weeks uh, mm-hmm. coming out of it. You just mentioned how much of a difference it's made. Just looking at the numbers here, you've said it before, uh, and we've talked about it. I don't remember if we've said it on the show or not, but he just needs to take a couple days off every once in a while. Or not a couple days. Take a game off every once in a mm-hmm. while from behind the dish. Uh, and the Nats have been doing that a little bit more recently. I think that's uh, really contributed to not only their their rise in offense, but their team as a whole has been playing better. Uh, they've been winning more games, I guess, uh, is a better way to put that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you even just, yeah, you even, like, kind of take a step back a little bit more and just look at just July, I mean, he's played way better. Uh, Walking more, I mean, obviously, strikeouts have been up a little bit in July, uh, but, I mean, he's still hitting 306, 358, 510 this month for an 869 OPS, which, you know, that's, again, that'll play. That's above average offense from the catcher position. Uh, I don't really care. I mean, obviously, you can't be horrible back behind the dish. And I think when you kind of look at those advanced metrics, he's kind of 
I mean, he is one of the worst uh, defenders in baseball uh, by those advanced metrics. But I think I don't think it's all his fault. Uh, I think some of that is, uh, you know, playing with, you know, not the best pitchers in the league. Uh, and so I think he'll he, again, he's still young. He's going to learn. He'll be better. It's just, you know, I don't think this is a lost season anymore for him. Which that's it was kind of trending that way with the first half of the season. Yeah, um, you mentioned his defense. I mean, it's not the numbers aren't good, but when you watch him play, it's not like he's making these atrocious mistakes, you know? Yeah, no, he's, it's not like. I mean, some of the frames are a little bad, but it's you know, like you said, it's not terrible. I mean, uh, there's there's certain times. When you can see a catcher, and I've been I've been working with the with the Harrisonburg Turks here. Uh, catcher, uh, he came. A bunch of the catchers left the team. It's a summer league. People leave. Um, they got this guy. He played a couple games. He caught he caught a no hitter. Good for him. Pretty cool. But he he also spiked a ball into the ground when trying to throw a guy out at second base. Uh, and he couldn't hold on to a pitch behind the plate. You know, obviously he's not a major league guy, so I'm not trying to compare uh, uh, apples to oranges here, but mm -hmm. you can see w the mistakes that Kybert are, is making, you can't, like, look at it and say that is it just from an eye. You have to look at the stats to get there. Uh, you know, it's... It's not. It's it's serviceable defense right now, and he'll get better because he's still young. Yeah. No, I mean he's like again. We're gonna keep hammering on. A lot of these guys are really young, uh, where they're not finished products. Uh, every day in baseball, you're gonna be getting better uh, and learning something new, and they are the same way. Uh, where they're just gonna keep getting better, uh, especially with. Ruiz, where, I mean, he, in general, probably could have used more time in the minors. Uh, I mean, you got to remember, he debuted at age 21. Uh, so, probably could have used a little bit more uh, experience down there. And so, he's kind of having to learn on the fly. Uh, I mean, he can rake, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing kind of the rest of this second half unfolds. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a good start to the second half, but we've still got a lot of baseball to play. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I have more uh, fun stats for you, Jeremy. If you want to hear them. I keep hitting me with the fun stats, Hayden. With I the love fun, fun stats. stats. Okay. So I was doing some research, right? And I'm looking at players who didn't really have good first, like you know, half almost. I I just have to cut off for June, right? Uh, and C.J. Abrams was a bottom 25 player who qualified, like, you know, played enough to qualify uh, in that through June, right? June right. 30th, one of the worst. Since then, C.J. Abrams has been really good. Uh, I'm going to pull up the exact numbers here, but 
he's been really good over these, you know, in this month of July. Uh, this month, you know, we talked about it last show. He's only gotten better. He just keeps hitting home runs. Uh, he's hitting 353, 392, 588 for a 980 <laughs> OPS, uh, which is otherworldly. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. I think he's hit, it feels like he's hit most of his home runs this month. I mean, he's hit three so far this month, and he has 10 on the year, which it's a little impressive. His defensive numbers, you know, again, defensive numbers, they're not perfect, but they're the best way to quantify what we have. He's improved in that aspect, too, uh, in the second half. He's just having a really good year. And when you look at, oh, I finally got it. The month of July, he's tied for 11th uh, in F4. Uh, I mean, he's tied with some pretty good players. Uh, Francisco Alvarez of the Mets, Mookie Betts, Haseon Kim, and Wilmer Flores. The guys just above him are Nolan Arenado, Rafael Devers, and Corey Seager. Like, those are really good ball players. Uh, <laughs> so... CJ's been really good uh, this month, and I'm really happy for him. You know, he's been yeah. Uh, a lot of this has coincided with him moving from the nine hole or the eight hole or wherever they were hitting him at the bottom of the lineup to leadoff spot. Yeah. Um, he's been really good up there. Uh, I don't know why it took this long to move him up there, mm-hmm. but it's a good move, and I think. Keep him up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said you don't know why it took him that long. When you look at that first half, man, like. I know. I know he wasn't hitting that well. He was not hitting well, especially in the month of June. Like, he was genuinely one of the worst hitters in baseball that month. Uh, But, I mean, again, CJ is 22 years old, uh, which is, like, really young in baseball. Uh, He's going to be fine. He's a really good ball player. I think he's a guy who the Nats should be talking to right now and as we enter the offseason about an extension and lock him up long term. I mean, yeah, I mean, you. he was obviously part of the one of the two major trades that the Nats made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... Juan Soto trade's pretty major, yeah. Yeah, and also the... Yeah, the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, he... When, when you make that much... When you give up that much in a trade like that, obviously Juan Soto is <laughs> a huge piece, but uh, you, you expect... He was one of the pieces that was ready, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also, again, super young. And he's still he's still getting better at this level. I mean, look at look at Trey Turner. I remember when he first came up. He, I won't I won't say he. I don't remember his stats, but I remember watching him. He made a lot of mistakes out in the field, and mm-hmm. he wasn't hitting as well as he does now. You know, it's going to take time. The Nats don't re-sign C.J. Abrams. They're doing something wrong. Like, I think it's out of the question for them to even not consider it. Because, I mean, 
we're talking about a guy, he just won NL Player of the Week this, this last week. Uh, he He's shown so many flashes of what he can be, and it'd be a mistake to to even consider not re-signing him. Now, I'm not saying you have to re-sign him this offseason, but yeah, it, it would be really dumb of them to just give up and not re-sign him at any point. Yeah, here, I'm going to try to pull something up because I'm kind of curious uh, to see if this kind of coincided with anything. Uh, but, I mean, the Nats, I mean, young guys. I mean, obviously, Luis Garcia's taking a step back. I think not get moved up all the way, uh, but he probably should get moved up a little bit uh, as the, like, you know what I mean? Uh, he should probably get moved up a little bit in the lineup. He shouldn't be hitting at the bottom of the order. I don't think any of the Nats should be hitting that low in the order. Uh, like these young guys. I think, because, mm. I mean, Corey Dickerson, he's not, like him getting an extra handful of at-bats a year isn't going to make a difference in the long run. But Luis Garcia right. getting an extra 10, 15 at-bats in a year, like, that's huge for him and his <laughs> development. Uh, but, yeah. I think, go back, you know, back to the uh, games that I've played, I think the biggest step for the Nats need to take, and this is probably more of a 2024 thing than a 2023 thing, is their bullpen. Uh, they're, I mean, they were the reason why they lost a lot of these games uh, this past weekend. Or not past weekend, past week. Uh, the pitching, like the rotation, has been solid. Uh, Corbin's looked not like a ace, but he's looked like a quality major league arm. Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore have both looked really good. Uh, I mean, Trevor Williams even's had a decent start or two in the past, you know, couple weeks. So it's that bullpen needs to figure it out. Uh, but that's, again, probably more of a 2024 thing at this point, you know, as we enter the trade deadline. Right. Yeah, they're not going to get better in the bullpen this season. Uh, and we've, we've harped on this bullpen. The bullpen kind of ebbs and flows with this team. Uh, when, it, when they win games, the bullpen pitches well. And when they lose games, the bullpen does not pitch well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it really, if you, if you go down, if you, if you looked at every single game this season... About seventy-five percent of the games, uh, you could chalk up to bullpen results for the Nats, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not going to get better. They're going to trade away some of their back-end arms, probably. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think part of it too is I don't think they really necessarily expected it to be this bad. Uh, I mean. I, I'm sure the Nats expected Victor Arano to be pitching at, by this point in the year. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr., you know, he's on the IL. Uh, Hunter Harvey's on the IL. I mean, Tanner Rainey's still coming back from Tommy John, but, I mean, he'll be back maybe this year. Uh, Thad Ward went on the IL. So, I mean, like, a lot of their guys who they kind of had penciled in to eat a lot of these innings out of the bullpen this year just haven't been there because they've been hurt. 
uh, which you can't really control a whole lot. I mean, usage, you can kind of control that a little bit and workload, and that's a whole separate conversation. Uh, but I think some of these younger arms have stepped up when they needed them. Uh, I mean, Ferrer doesn't look like, you know, a closer, but I mean, he doesn't look like a bad reliever by any stretch of the imagination. He has some stuff to work on, but he's only 23. Uh, Amos Willingham, you know, he's been hit or miss. There's times where he looks really good, and then there's times where he looks like he doesn't belong on the major leagues. So it's kind of figuring out how can we get these guys to succeed, and I think we're getting there, I would hope. Definitely. Uh, yeah, we knew the bullpen was a weakness heading into this season. Bullpen for the Nats has been a weakness for as long as I can remember. I think the last time the bullpen was a strength was like 2014 or something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's we didn't expect the bullpen to be good this year. And it's it's going to happen with a, with a rebuilding team like this. Obviously, injuries don't help, but... Some young arms are going to start to come up soon, and we'll see what they have uh, in in those guys. Yeah, uh, I mean, quick pivot to the last couple things about this game, these Giants games. Uh, Lane Thomas stole, stole four bases yesterday. He did. Uh, that was yeah. pretty awesome. Uh, like I said, C.J. Abrams hit two home runs over this series. Uh, it was just a really good series. Uh, Mackenzie Gore threw a really good outing. Uh, Josiah Gray had a solid start as well. And it was just, you know, Jake Irvin even looks pretty good against uh, the Giants. Uh, which, I mean, that's pretty big for the development, again, of young people or young players on the Nets. He's a guy who you might pencil into the future uh, with how he's been pitching lately. Uh, so it's good to ha- see him get a good start. Uh, do you want to go? Do you want to talk about these uh, Colorado pitching matchups, Jeremy? Yeah, let's talk about the Colorado pitching matchups. Game one, our good boy, Patty Corbs, Patrick Corbin, on the mound, taking on Jake Bird. Uh, game two is Trevor Williams versus Austin Gombert. And the third game of this series is Jake Irvin taking on Peter Lambert. Now, not a lot of these names stick out to you uh, as all-star pitching matchups. Uh Austin Gombert might be uh, probably the, is definitely the most known name uh, from that lineup of the Rockies that we just listed. Uh, yeah. Isn't I mean, it to say we're going to absolutely rake against these guys? But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the thing Gomber is probably most known for is uh, getting traded to the Rockies. Uh, mm-hmm. if you recall, he was in that, uh, Nolan Arenado trade way, way back, uh, what feels like forever ago. I mean, Jake Bird, he's having a really good year. When you, like, look at what he's done, like, he's having a really solid year, probably the best year of his major league career, uh, which, you don't, you know, you don't really say at age 27, but, you know, good for him. Uh, that game is probably a bullpen game for them, uh, when you look at what he's pitched so far this year, 
He's probably going to throw two or three innings and then dive. Uh, Gomber, the Rockies are probably hoping he goes, you know, throws nine innings. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're looking to get some length out of him. And then Lambert is just kind of like a guy who just hasn't been healthy for them. Uh, but he's starting to get a little bit of run. He isn't necessarily uh, – hasn't thrown – a whole lot, but I mean, he looks like another one of those bulk inning type guys where they might have an opener ahead of him, but then, you know, he goes out and pitches after. Because I mean, he also has only started two games so far this year. Yeah, uh, I don't. I didn't. I I don't remember if we've had this conversation before, Hayden. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why teams use openers. Uh, it's to get more length out of your starter the same amount of length that you're gonna get either way yeah but it's the theory is like you know like the toughest hitters the toughest matchups are gonna be at the top of that lineup you know so you let the opener go out face those first three or four guys and then you hand it off to your pitcher and you know his first couple innings are nice and easy uh that's kind of the idea behind it uh, that, and it makes more sense, you know, if you have a guy who can only go four innings, right? You'd rather have him hand off to the bullpen in the fifth inning than in the fourth inning, right? I don't know. That's just the way some teams look at it. A lot <laughs> it's of it's, it's also, a lot of it's matchups it's too, where it's like, you know, like, oh, you know, we got a righty and they've got like four, three lefties at the top of their order. What's have a lefty opener and then he can go and face the bottom half of that lineup, and then he can turn over, obviously, face them later, but doesn't right, but really want no to start them off. Between giving four runs in the, get, get, there's no difference between giving up four runs in the first and giving up four runs in the fifth. As in some teams, that's a big difference. You know, like when you talk about momentum and stuff like that, like kind of the, the mental aspect of baseball, I think it, I think it does have an effect a little bit. All right. I just never understood it, and I think it's stupid, and I think it's dumb. Uh, but teams continue. Teams do it all the time, so whatever works for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't. I'm gonna be honest, Jeremy. This matchup isn't super exciting. Uh, no, it's not. These are uh, two two of the teams, two, two bottom, the bottom teams. Feeding teams. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys aren't gonna be on the same roster in about a week. Uh, so. Yeah, it's just. No, I mean, I I'm pretty excited about the series after this. Uh. But yeah, right now, not super excited. I mean, you're talking about the 39 and 60 Rockies. Uh. Yeah, there's it's not really that exciting of a series. I mean, the Nats looking pretty good. I mean. They could they could technically Jeremy they could pass the Mets. Technically. I mean, they can pass the Mets. <laughs> they, not like this series, but like, they play the Mets next. Like, th- they're only five games behind them. Games, and they play yeah. four games against the Mets. You know, you win a mm-hmm. game here, you gain a ge- half a game on them, and then they both teams play tomorrow. You can kind of make a, make a jump on them. I don't know. You could. 
you could, but you know, this feels like a series that the Nats are gonna lose a game like twenty to five. Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean it's at Nats Park. I, I think I, I know like it's I know it's at Nats Park, but this just feels like series where there's gonna be that one game that just sucks, yeah. and everything else will go smoothly. But there's gonna be that one game. I I don't know. I, I that's just the that's just the type of feeling I'm getting from this series. Mm. Uh, there's there's not really anyone on that Rockies lineup that I'm particularly scared of. You know, uh, you have All Star Game MVP. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say scared of. I think there are good play. There's regulars. You have major league quality players in this lineup. There's a difference between being scared of people and having people that can hit. There's no one in the Nats lineup that I'm scared of. People can yeah. hit on the uh, Nats lineup. Yeah, I mean, Nolan Jones is probably one of those guys where you're, like, kind of scared of them. Uh, he hits the ball pretty hard. Uh, I mean, he has a 221 ISO. Uh, Ryan McMahon is a really solid ball player. Ezekiel Tovar... Isn't a guy you're afraid of offensively, but he's good. He's going to impact the game. Uh, I mean, the big guys, Randall Gritchick in that lineup, really. Because uh, I don't think CJ Crone has done all that much. Yeah, he hasn't done all that much this year. Chris Bryant. He's been, he's been hurt this year, hasn't he? Crone? I mean, he's played 53 games. So, yeah, yes and no. Chris Bryant's played in 65, so... I mean, they're not healthy, healthy, but they're there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This is a series that Nats should win. Yeah. Maybe that's a little bit of bias coming in, but I feel like the Nats are a better team than the Rockies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we also watch more Nats. You know, I feel like the Nats, I mean, we talk about it a lot, where it feels like they kind of underperform or their record. Like I think they're better than their record shows. Is the saying we always say on here. Yeah, they they're over they 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 overperform for what their record is. Yeah, uh, they're better than what their record shows. That's the. But, the Rockies. I don't know. I don't know if we could say the same thing about the Rockies. I can't say the same thing about the Rockies, but the Rockies, they. They're just. Again, it's it's another bad team that doesn't have a lot to play for. Um, and they're yeah. gonna they're just gonna try their hardest. You know, that's just <laughs> yeah. Just I think the Rockies also be. are just in a weird like a different spot, like big picture than the Nationals. I mean, a lot of their guys are older. That yeah, like the the roster. The Rockies have one guy. Who's under the age of 25 in their lineup? The Nats have a bunch. I mean, Luis Garcia is under the age of 25. CJ Abrams is under the age of 25. Kybert just turned 25, so we'll count him. So it's you got some younger people in there. I mean, even the Rockies rotation is a little bit older. Where I mean, Freeland and I mean all their good arms are on the IL. So, I don't know. It'll be weird. Yeah, uh, it will be a weird game, but a weird series. But 
Uh, I think the Nats can pull it out. I think they'll win two of these games. Like I said, I just, I've got. I think, a, I think wacky stuff will happen in one game. Mm-hmm. Like some crazy stuff that we can't expect. Maybe we get a a Davy Martinez ejection. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel I got a feeling some wacky's gonna happen in this game, particularly the Patrick Corbin game. We'll see. We'll see. But I think the Nats should win this series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then I guess who is your Nat to watch then in this series, Mister Jeremy? My Nat to watch in this series. We talked about him a lot. It's C.J. Abrams. I want to mm-hmm. see him continue to hit, uh, and continue to stay at the top of the lineup. Uh, yeah. I, th- I just, I want to see him, uh, I just, I, I'm watching him this series. Yeah, uh, my nat to watch is, uh, Alex Call. Uh, when you look at what he's, good. what he's done, uh, yeah. he's almost kind of what I expect Victor Robles, like, the ideal, like, floor for Victor Robles, right, which is, a little bit below average offensively, but plays great defense. That's Alex Call right there. Uh, so you know, uh, he he's the, very much a type of player that I like uh, on my type on my teams. Uh, I just I like my light hitting, great defensive center fielders and light hitting <laughs> great defensive shortstops. Uh, I just love premium defense up the middle, and that's Alex Call. Uh, so hopefully you know he can he can hit some bombs, have some clutch hits here. Uh, you know, he's hitting in behind, uh, in between two great young nationals, uh, Luis Garcia and CJ Abrams, you know, so they're going to have to pitch to him. Yeah. yeah. Do you have and, anything else before we wrap this up? I don't know. You want to, you want to talk about my little, my little question that I had for you? I would love to talk about your little question. All right. Mr. Jeremy. Everyone who's listening at home or watching at home, uh, I'm curious to see what other people you guys can talk at either Jeremy or I or you know the Nats report on Twitter. Uh, what do we do with Joey Manessis? Uh, at this point, uh, what do we do with I Joey Manessis? I don't think he's gonna get traded. I haven't really heard any rumors. Obviously, he can get traded. Uh. But I don't think he gets traded at the deadline, and I don't know really what his role is anymore. I think he's got one more year to prove that he should stay on this team. Uh, they're not going to trade him this deadline. Mm-hmm. But if he has the uh, same the same season that he does this year, next year, he's getting traded next deadline, unless he really shows something. I don't think I don't think that he's part of the plan. I mean, he's he came up as a 30-year-old rookie last year. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's played solid. You know, he's hitting like 3 270 right now or something like that. I don't I don't have his stats in front of me. 278, um, 320, 391 is his triple slash. Yeah, I mean, he's he's hitting the ball good. He's just not hitting for power. Um and he's fine. He's 
he's been playing DH. He's not in the ideal DH, but you can put him at first base and he'll play fine defense. Like he's not a he's not a liability on defense at first base. Well, you see, I I my thing is when you look at roster like lineup instructions the Nats have done as of late when they have a lefty going right and they want to sit Dom Smith which is about 50 50 if they sit him against a lefty uh, but that's usually when his days day, days off come up they don't have Manessis at least the past couple times I've seen playing first base they have Michael Chavis play first base yeah. So they don't even view him as a like platoon type guy, and he, I'm I'm sorry with the production that Joey Manessas has put up this year. I don't even give him next year to figure it out. If this is how it is for the rest of the year, like he's doesn't have a role on a on the Nets team. I don't think he's without a role though. I think he's I think he's played well enough to be at minimum a a platoon first base guy. I, um, I he hasn't though. I mean he's a below average offensive player at a place where that's your only contribution is offense. I'm saying he should be a DH. He shouldn't be a DH. I don't think he's a DH. I think he's a a backup first baseman. And I think he's a solid backup first baseman at that. Yeah, I, I think he just needs to play the field more, and I don't think the Nats organization views him as a first base option right right now. Like, I mean, when you look at what he's played this year, I mean, he's played six games at first base all year. And, I mean, if he play, starts playing the field more, and that lets... Because here's my thing. When you look at... What a lot of teams start doing with their DH is they start to rotate players, right? So against the lefty, you could see, you know, you have your same lineup. You have C.J. Abrams, you know, Lane Thomas, uh, and for the rest of the week, I guess, Candelario. You put Manessis at first base, that allows you to have Riley Adams catch, put Kyber at DH, where then he gets a day off where he's not catching. And you get a guy who has been better defensively, albeit in a small sample size. Uh, and he's hit. And then you can, you know, stone Garrett in left. If you want to platoon Garcia, you let Chavis play. And then Alex Collins center. I think that is a much better lineup than what they have been doing. Here's the thing. I don't think the roster construction that the Nats have has as much to do with the fact that they don't like him at first base as it is they have the mindset that he is a DH. I think that's just wrong. Right, but that's the mindset that they have. Mm -hmm. And the Nats are slow to make changes like that, you know? Mm -hmm. They've only had the DH... In the NL for a year or two, I don't remember at this point. Yeah. But two and uh, a half, because they had it during the COVID season, and then they had it last year, and then they have it this year. Right. So I guess so, two years with like sixty games and what we've played this year. What I think, uh, again, this is just 
outside observations of how I've seen the Nats uh, front office and uh, managers act towards lineup construction, when they see the Tyrum DH, they don't want a guy like Michael Chavis or a guy like Jamer playing DH, you know? They want a big guy that has the capability of hitting for power like we like we saw Joey do at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And they saw that at the end of last season. They were like, he can play DH. And they still, and they've seen that, I mean, he's hitting the ball. You know, he's getting on base. He's hitting, like you said, two, 280, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he has a real good average, and his triple slash looks pretty solid outside of the slugging percentage. He's our DH, and they, we have no reason to change that. And again, maybe I'm just completely off target here, but that's what I see it. That's what that's what that's what my theory is uh, for why they're doing that. Do I agree that uh, rotating DHs is a much better idea to give people day off, days off? Yes, absolutely. The Nats don't do that. I mean, I'm not even seeing like rotate He's... DH to get a guy a day off. Like, I just think. I mean, if we're trying to max, if we're trying to win games, right? Uh, which we're not trying to win games. I okay. <laughs> I mean, you beat me there, got me there. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if we are trying to win games and trying to maximize, you know, winning games, I think that's the best position you put yourself in. Uh, cause I mean, we'll we talk about usage all day, and that's kind of the issue with this current nationals era of nationals baseball is just usage we have a guy who we have a backup catcher who has you know is a whole win better than joey manessis like we should probably get him more playing time right because i mean riley adams he's not a regular like i don't think he's a guy who you have catching 81 games a year. But he can catch close to that. And he should catch close to that. I think Riley Adams should catch 60, 65 games a year. Or probably more than that. Probably closer mm-hmm. to the 70s. I don't know. I would have I I said 60 and leave it at that. But I'm Jeremy, he has a 542 slugging. A 289 average. He gets on base. Like... And he's not terrible defensively. I mean, he's not great either. But I, I just, I don't know, man. It's it's a little frustrating sometimes. But I, I, I disagree with you. I don't think you let him have all of next year if this is how he continues. Like I know he had that little stretch where he hit like three home runs. Uh, but outside of that, like he hasn't been good this year at all. I mean, it's, like, acceptable because it's, you know, a, a team that's not set up to win 100 games or even 90 or even 80 or 70. Uh, but, I mean, you want something to change. And I think next year with the rules that you have in place, I I don't think, like, the new, I don't know how much you, I mean, here, going to the draft, you know, shooting way into the future. We saw how aggressive the Mariners could get because they got that extra pick for having Julio winning Rookie of the Year, right? 
James Woods should be on the opening day roster. Right. And I don't. I with all these guys that are coming up, I don't think you have room for Joey Manessis next year. Are all these guys coming up next year? I mean, James Wood, with the way he's been trending, he could be there next year. Here next year, Brady House is his timeline's a little bit accelerated. Uh, I don't know if he'll he'll be up next year, but James Wood probably. James Wood. And... I mean, you'll have uh, Robert Hassel has a chance of being on the roster next year. I think uh, Trey Lipscomb, who was like a third round pick two years ago, uh, he's looked really good uh, so far this year. I think he's probably up uh, sooner rather than later. I mean, you have guys who. Pretty good. I mean, Jacob Young is a guy who doesn't get talked about a whole lot. He's having a pretty solid year uh, in the minors. Uh, he's hitting 269, 358, 370, where he's not going to be a big power hitting guy, but he can play anywhere up the anywhere uh, in the outfield and play passable defense out there. Uh, and he gets on base a lot. Like that's a really solid outfielder. So, I don't know. I, I don't think there's room for Manassas. I mean, there is, but it, not in a starting role next year. Right. At all. I'm not pitching that he should be the starting uh, guy. I don't think he should be a DH. I agree. Okay. I We're agree on the same with, page. I agree with 95% of what you're saying. Yeah. But I do think he should be a platoon first baseman. Yeah. And I think, I think he... Yeah. I think he's solid. I think he's played good enough to be on a major league roster. Uh, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just I think it's weird how little they're playing him in the field this year. Like that's yeah. a little alarming with cuz obviously, you know, we're not there in the front office. We're not, you know, there at the press conferences where we can ask questions. But a guy who's played seven games in the field this year, it doesn't scream like they, you know, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of confidence in him out in the field. And that's something that concerns me. Because I think, yeah, you're talking about a right-handed hitter who can play first base and play passable, not even passable, play in the outfield in in an emergency when you need him. Uh, Then, you know, hits for a decent average i think that yeah that that is a role on a major league team i don't know if that's a role the nats necessarily want or need but it's a role nonetheless uh you know the way i look at him him and dom smith are like the same player it's just one's a left-handed hitter one's a right-handed hitter uh and i think they're those players have value it's just the nats don't seem to be using them to the fullest capabilities, and that is alarming. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets traded. I don't think he will. But I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Mm-hmm. Because outside of the the big piece, like, uh, that's that is Jamer Candelario. Uh, 
I think he's one of the guys that, you know, you're not going to get anything substantial for him. But I think you could get a little bit better than a flyer, you know, a slightly, a flyer plus, if you will. Yeah, uh, uh, a slightly better flyer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're getting a, the number, like, 12 prospect instead of the number 20 prospect yeah. type of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Nets have some pieces. I mean, obviously, Heimer is the big one. Dom Smith, I think has a higher possibility of getting traded uh just because he's been pretty good lately uh but i still don't think he gets traded vargas is an interesting trade candidate uh i've heard stuff around him like there's teams that could use vargas i think he has a higher chance of being traded than manessis and dom smith and then i mean the only healthy reliever right now is cal finnegan Maybe Carl Edwards Jr. if he can get healthy. Uh, maybe a team's fine. Uh, maybe a team's fine, being like, okay, yeah, like he's not going to be here right away, and obviously the Nets are going to get much control like in return for that. But I'd rather them trade him than not trade him. Yeah. Something uh, is better than will... nothing. Yeah, I agree absolutely. Uh, but yeah. Uh, we'll we'll cover all this and more in the next episode of In the Clubhouse with the Nats Report. We have been your hosts, Jeremy Lapidus and Hayden Raymer. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you next time.